You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Mean Old Lion Media, where black and brown voices truly matter. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of A Whole Mood. So last week, we kicked off our first episode of our Black History series. And like what I say, every time we get on the show, everybody has a story. And that is very consistent to Black history. I mean, we've learned so much through our childhood, the same old information. We are Black history. We are our ancestor's story and our ancestor's dream. And so we're going to keep on with the same energy. And I will tell you, so this week's guest, very, very special person. And I know I say this every episode, but it's such a blessing to be able to say that. We met during the pandemic and I just feel like we just connected like literally instantly. Like she saw me and she was like looking at my shoes, looking at my pants and all of this. And we was just talking for a minute and I just felt like the energy and her store was just amazing. And I didn't know at the time how badass she was as a person. So that's kind of crazy. When the energy's great, and then also when you actually get to know them, you realize they just as badass as what you thought they were. So a lot of y'all also know, I lost my sister in 2019. And my sister, she was 10 years older than me. I really feel like in losing that sister, I kind of gained another sister because she's literally the same age as the sister that passed away. I feel kind of like the same connection. So without further ado, repping BK all day, although we live in Jersey City now, it is the renowned celebrity stylist, Keely B. Hey, Keely, how's it going? Hi, you're so sweet. I didn't know that you felt like that. That is so bomb. Aww. Listen, absolutely. And I always say on this show, you got to shine light on people. That's really yeah. what it is. Give them their flowers while they're here. Aww, thank you. <laughs> absolutely. I really want to delve into your story because I always say like, although we are all people of color, we don't share the same experience. Like we all come from different backgrounds. So... This is like a great opportunity for you to kind of share where you come from, because I do know you do have some Caribbean in you as well. So we're going to get all into it. So based on the foundation, where are your parents from? Right. Let's get into it then. Mom is from Trinidad. Her origin is uh, Aruba and Guyana. And my dad is from the dirty South. Well, he's from Brooklyn. He's a Brooklynite. Uh But his... Parents is from South Carolina and North Carolina. What? I didn't know that. Yeah. What? Wait, where in South Carolina is your dad from? My father's family is from... Like Charleston, Columbia. There's some people from Charleston, but it's not Charleston. Charleston for South Carolina. North Carolina, I forgot the part of North Carolina my father's father Got it. was from. Yeah, I don't really know NC like that because I'm from South Carolina as well. My dad is from I didn't South know Carolina. that. I used to go to Charleston every summer. And see, it's so crazy because both of my dads 
I'm from South Carolina. All my dad's side of the family is from South Carolina. Oh, wow. That's crazy. So, as y'all know, Keely said her mom is from the islands. And what we do know, based on history, Caribbean migration, everybody migrated to the U.S. around the 1960s. So, we began to pretty much create a spectrum within Black people and Black culture and began to have more of a melting pot when it came to our Black culture. And so, with that... What's the story on how your family decided to move to either America or to the North? Okay, so I'll give you my mom's side. My grandfather was a fisherman who would Mm -hmm. deal with imports and exports from Africa. What happens in Trinidad, everything is community. So his friends moved, got started in America, then started creating a safe place for more friends and family to move up who wanted to start their lives and businesses here. So my grandfather and grandmother and their children, I believe it was four of them, moved to Best Buy, Brooklyn, lived with their friends for about a year or two, and then went and purchased their own properties. And then they paid it forward with more people coming over, mm-hmm. staying with family. My grandmother did it for her siblings. She cared for them until they went and bought their own homes. So it wasn't a thing where it was like move into an apartment. It was like, no, be humble enough to live with family and then go purchase. Really create generational wealth, right? Because it's always up to the next generation to take it somewhere else. But that, that's a whole other conversation. And then on my father's side, the way my family got to the North is a crazy story. My grandmother, she probably would kill me because, you know, old school grandparents, they don't want you to tell the truth. My great grandmother, she beat a white man up. And she knew she was in a lot of trouble. I think he spit on her and she beat him. So her parents sent her up north. She had to get out of there. And I believe she headed to Virginia first. But her children got split up. So one went to Virginia. The other child went to Ohio. And the other child that went to Ohio was my grandmother. So she started her life there, got married out there, and then ended up marrying somebody. And she had a baby with him. Stayed for a little while longer in Ohio and then fled to New York to be with family. Mm. So you would say on both sides, it was your grandparents who migrated. And yeah, then, definitely. So you're like our generation native to New York, pretty much. To New York from my mom's side, first generation. From my father's side, he was born in New York, so second generation. All right. So what mm. are the things your parents passed on to you that you uphold today? My mom left me with the love of Jesus Christ, I hear that, that relationship. She was an example. So a lot of us tell our children about God and we're not an example of what kingdom kids are. My mom was a great example of what that looked like and mm-hmm. what it was to really serve and honor and develop a relationship with God. It was a lot of worshiping. It was a lot of praying. It was a lot of sacrificing. It was a lot of fasting, y'all. It was a lot, a lot. But bigger than anything, it was a lot of love. Love with no mm-hmm. judgment. There was discipline because love is discipline, right? So if I did get reprimanded or beaten, I got told how much she loved me, explained why she was doing it and why I needed to overcome my wicked ways. <laughs> it was a lot, y'all. It was a lot. It was like, oh my God. <laughs> but as I'm older, I'm like, I needed every last one of those beatings because I was a hot mess. You know. How were you a hot mess? Well, it was your mouth. You would always tell me. Yes. It's my mouth, honey. It was my mind. But my mind would make me vomit out things that I was not supposed to say out loud, I guess. It depends on who's asking. But uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I just said a lot at the wrong times, I guess, or a lot for a child. And my mother would just, you know how those, back in the days, your parents could just look at you. I look at my kids and they look back and I'm like, I don't got the strength to knock you out. But 
Yeah. Like, <laughs> back in the days, my mother was just, that eyebrow would go up, that lip would rise. I was like, oh, shoot. But for me, the Pisces in me was like, I'm committed. Got right. to see it through. Like, oh, you ain't going to be out here embarrassing me. I'm going to get a beat anyway. So. Oh, my God. And what would you say your father, he left you? Hustle. That okay. crime. He was charming, generous. Both of my parents were too generous, but I think he was more so a people pleaser, so I think that's where I get that terrible trait from. He was a good dresser. He understood what it was to step out and really step out, and then watching him as a child, I know what a man is supposed to look like in a suit. I learned from him how the man is supposed to take care of a woman, right? I learned what a man's not supposed to do from him, but I also learned what a man is supposed to do. So, Whatever man did come in my life or does enter into my life, whether it's my friend or a companion, they have some big shoes to fill because Mm -hmm. my father was a man's man. Everything that you would imagine a man is supposed to be. So my art side comes from him, but he also was just book smart also. Like he understood numbers and me and numbers work together hand in hand. So I think I, I think I got a lot from my father, but I also got a lot from my mother. Yeah, I could see that. Because if I were to describe you, like it took a lot of time and energy to really get to know Keely. You would just say stuff and it would just fly out your mouth. And I'm like, damn, that's a big fucking deal, Keely. And you just like so casually let us through that out there. Like one time we were singing Tony Braxton in the car, y'all. And <laughs> Keely was like, oh, you know, the heat, the album. Like, yeah, like I created that shirt that she had on. I'm like, what and i'm like that's kind of like the same shirt Aaliyah had on in like her last album she was like yeah i did that one too i'm like what yeah yeah. like that dress it was a dress tony wore with the two high slits that was us for Aaliyah. we did so much work for Aaliyah. both of them were dope clients and this is what i'm saying y'all y'all are literally witnessing greatness right here but we are literally just starting so (laughs) the next question would be like how would you describe yourself with that makeup between your mom and your dad it's hard to see yourself through your own lens i understand so how would you describe me I would describe you definitely a free spirit in the same sense. I don't know. I feel like us Pisces, we're very mutable. So it's like you could say we're one thing, but at the same time, we give a great balance of the opposite as well. So like, although you could be very free spirited, you are very fixed in some ways as well, where it's like, don't try me. I'm able to like, you know, be flexible. Mm -hmm. I'll go with the flow, whatever. But this is what I'm not going to do. You know, that's kind of how you are. Above all, ultimately, like you're a boss. That's really what it is. You're a creative spirit, but also very analytical. And I love Mm -hmm. that about you. And I think you have a way and an air to really express your creativity in such a fast way. Like a lot of people, they feel like they need inspiration. I could be like that sometimes, but I feel like Mm -hmm. being around energy like you like we literally bounce off of each other like a lot. And that's why we yeah. work so well together because you'll spring out an idea. Then I'm like, oh, okay, well, yeah, this is how we do it and blah, blah, blah. And like, we literally know how to go from concept to execution in such a fast way. Absolutely. <clears throat> but there is a side of me that different stages of life, you get something different, right? Yeah. So I was just having a conversation with someone today and they were talking about another Pisces and how they're not consistent. And I was like, no, it might be their season of seclusion, like where they need to be to themselves because Pisces tend to pour into others and neglect what their needs are. And I just feel like in this season right now, what do I need? 
Like, yep. how do I save me? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was like different seasons call for different things. And I think we're very spirited people. Right. And I, I, yeah. I think we move more in our spirit than we do in our flesh. And when we move in our flesh, we get lost. With that being said, we really don't need to cling to relationship unless it's our relationship. Right. And now that we could become very attached in that because when you're in a relationship, you should become in one with your partner. But then when it's friendships, I don't want to cling on to anyone. (laughs) I just don't. I want to be a butterfly and I want to fly to the next thing that I want to fly to that needs me in that moment. It's like we we pour into a lot of people and I think we go with what's needed. With all the loss that I experienced, I've learned to detach. So in this season, I am not attached to anyone or anything. Mm. I am very much so trying to find myself. And trying to find my happiness within Keely without others and then within God. Well, where he, he always tells me it has to start with you, Keely, because I need you to reach for the God I put inside of you. The Holy Spirit that resides in you, I need you to become one with that and respect yourself and your temple. And then we can go from there with you loving me properly. But you can't do it with anybody else until you do it for yourself. You know, yeah. you can't display love until you understand what self-love is, you know, and sometimes it doesn't all align. And that's OK, because it's not about us. That's the truth. Somehow, in some way, we always find ourselves like right in the same seasons. Like we always kind of are very parallel like that. Absolutely. So what sacrifices did you see your parents make for your upbringing? Mm, 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 mm. My mom prayers. I am living because of my parents' mistakes. I've learned from their mistakes and I'm trying to rewrite that and say, you did that. You started this. But you didn't have to suffer like that because Jesus already did. My mom was a prayer warrior. Do I have all her gifts? God is telling me something right now. And I hear you, Lord. But I don't think that I do, right? I haven't tapped into it on her level. But I have gifts that are very real. But I know with having God, I can still have prosperity. Mm -hmm. Jesus already suffered. I don't have to suffer the way that he suffered. And I watched my mom suffer most of my childhood while praying for people, while casting out things out of people and watching them come to prosperity and good health and all of these things while everything she's praying off of them, I'm seeing her carry those burdens and I'm like, oh, I don't want that. So when she passed, I said, well, whatever she had, Lord, I don't need none of that because forget these people. I'm trying to live, you know? And then what God showed me is there's order to prayer. There is protection in prayer protect yourself. Neither one of the gifts I'm giving you, you're going to have to lay hands. You're going to have to speak life over people. You're going to have to cast out some things, but you have to protect yourself. So I think the difference is knowing that I deserve and that I can have. Not for nothing. My dream might not have been her dream, right? Because her dream was love and that she received love the way that she poured out love. And I guess that is part of my dream too, because I don't see it. I don't see the reciprocity in this world right now. So I guess we are very similar in those ways. But I think her dream was always love. I don't know who dream I'm living right now, but it's somebody's dream. And it's beautiful. <laughs> and I, I don't want to take it for granted because it's moments where I do take it for granted. But I think I'm living my dad's dream. I think neither one of my parents owned homes. My sister and I are both homeowners. No, I own my own business. Yeah, you own three. I own my own businesses. Yeah. Right? Yes. But I don't know if that was their dream i don't know what their dream was i never was able to have those conversations with them and as far as the sacrifices your dad made like how did you see him sacrifice for his family my dad was dope as a little girl i wanted to grow up and be just like him (laughs) 
My dad was a ladies' man. My dad was a people pleaser. My dad is a lot of things that I am. <laughs> I'm not a ladies' man though. But um, <laughs> my dad died at forty. My parents died at very very young. My dad died at yeah. forty one, and they were sick at very young. So mm-hmm. I can't tell you what. I'm pretty sure he wanted to buy a house one day. You know. I yeah. know he wanted boys. I got the boys that he always wanted, so I'm living that part yeah. that I, th- I know he would be ecstatic about. The two young men that I'm raising that remind me of him and so many, the oldest one, especially with the ladies. The talents of the oldest one, the intelligence of the youngest one, they're both very intelligent, and that's both of my parents. Like, I see my parents and my children. I see yeah. my parents and myself, but yeah. I see them and my children, and I'm like, oh, they got the love of my mom, charisma of my father, and the, you know... Both of my parents are athletic. My mother was the head of the cheerleading team. My dad was a basketball player. We all got a little bit of them, and I'm grateful for whatever it is. And I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how they turn it into who they are, you know? And so I remember in prior conversations we would have, often you would say, you were a little roughneck around in Brooklyn, like running around. You were pretty much a tomboy. I was. So you told me you kind of lived in that whole gay house scene, and that kind of was a way for you to express That scene is what pulled me out of it, because they were like, girl, no, put on these six-inch heels, put on these platforms, heels with the platform, and now you got eight inches. And I never knew that I was beautiful like that until I got into the the whole Christopher A Street village scene, that village life, and they were like, put this see-through dress on. You have a model body. People would kill for this. Show mm-hmm. it off. You got great legs. You got great free- features. Your hair is beautiful. And I was like, oh, I'm titty sit up nice. And I'm like, oh, look at me. They made me feel like what I was working with was working. You know, I was yeah. five, eight, zero, zero. I was modeling. You know, they brought it into light. So very grateful. So prior to that, you never felt like you had like a fashion inspired. Did you have interest in regards to fashion? I always loved fashion. Now, when it came to fashion, as a young girl, my mother would let me explore some craziness. Like I will put together an outfit. (laughs) She'll put me in one thing and I'm going to turn it around and do something else and make something out of nothing. I'm going to make this t-shirt into a dress. I'm going to put a bobolita on the ends of it, tuck it under. So I took a keychain that had a K on it put it on a necklace that it became a letter chain. Like I was doing the most, it was so ghetto. But my mom allowed me to do that. She allowed me to be creative with my craziness. And I think that helped. But then I had a grandmother. My father's mom used to take me to Saks. We started at Macy's. We went up to Lord and Taylor's. We went up to Saks. And then we walked over to Bloomingdale's almost every weekend. Although I was a tomboy, she would show me different dresses. She would buy them for us how stockings and slips were supposed to be worn out under certain things and how certain cuts did certain things for you. She was so sharp. She smelled Mm -hmm. good. Her hair was always done. She kept her nails manicured. She took us to the hair salon. Like She showed us how to be ladies, young ladies, as she was saying. Now, be a young lady now. Mm -hmm. Jenny, Mary Lewis was something Mm -hmm. else. She She was a lady. (laughs) <laughs> and so do you feel like all of those experiences merged from your grandma to the gay scene and all of that was of influence to you pursuing styling for celebrities? Okay, so as a young girl, I felt like I was a celebrity. Mm, okay. And when I would see celebrities on, on TV, in my mind, these were my friends. Yeah. So when it started happening as a teenager, I was like, yeah, because I'm about that life because I am that life. Like, I always felt like, I belong. If I admired you and you were an everyday person, you were my celebrity. 
You get what I'm saying? Right. So even to this day, being in this industry, my celebrities are you. You know, you know who my best friends are. But at the same time, well, we all work in the industry in some ways, but certain ones are actually celebrities, but the rest of us are celebrity hairstylists, stylists, makeup artists. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I always felt like I belong. I'm that girl. Get into it. I had like you couldn't take that from me. Like nobody was taking that from me. Nobody. So when did you start doing styling? In high school, I had a friend that I used to make fun of all the time and I thought she was a girl that was into boys that liked to dress like a boy. Yeah. So we used to crack on each other. She would crack on the side of my head and I would crack on the, how bad she looked mm-hmm. and the way she would dress or like the jokes was all in love. And I'm like, girl, you want to be my girlfriend or boyfriend? Like, And then one day I was like, why are you dressed like that? And she was like, I have older brothers and my mother can't afford clothes for me. So my hand-me-downs is for my older brothers. And I'm like, oh, you're not a lesbian? She was like, Kelly, no. And I was like, girl, <laughs> who knew? Typical Kaylee. That is typical Kaylee. I was like, I thought you was a lesbian. I thought you was trying to be my munch bunch. I was like, let me help you out. So then I styled her. And so when did you get that first big break in styling? Like, who was your client? So let me tell you. I used to model. When I was in high school, I was working like two or three jobs while playing basketball while running track. Then finally, Mm -hmm. when I got to my senior year, I no longer was playing ball because I was living on my own. I was renting from my sister's boyfriend's parents. They're downstairs Mm -hmm. part of the room. I got kicked out in 11th grade, y'all. Listen up, I got a story to tell. So my aunt and uncle kicked me out in 11th grade, and I had nowhere to go. I had to move with my boyfriend. Then I cheated in the letter. Didn't physically cheat. Why did they kick you out? They kicked me out because of fashion. So I bought a prom dress that was see-through from Joyce Leslie, and I had no idea. In the village on 8th Street, I didn't know the dress was see-through. Mind you, I know my family, if they hear this podcast, so what? It is what it is. It was a lot of favoritism in my family, and I always felt like the black sheep. I was always the child that I don't think they ever thought I would make it. I think my parents knew the child that they had, but my uncles and aunts, they didn't believe in me. I had one uncle who was my uncle by marriage who did believe in me. Shout out to my Uncle Norris. Everybody else, I was a black sheep, and it, I was a, it ain't never going to happen, right? You know, they look, they frowned down upon me, and I was living with an uncle and aunt. This particular uncle, he's so dope. I love him. He was married and he had to respect his wife. And his wife ran around the neighborhood and told everybody that I bought this see-through dress and I look tacky. And it really hurt me. I don't think she even knew the dress was see-through. She was just like, oh, it's just so tacky and it's tasteless. And oh my God. But she never took me and said, let me take you to get a prom dress. Right. It wasn't my prom. It was my sister's prom. And I was going with this boy in her grade and they didn't want me to go. They didn't want me to be wherever my sister was. You know, they wanted her light to be her light and wanted me to wait my turn. And I'm like, listen, I'm ahead of this. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like a moment to wear a fly dress. I'm doing it. So she took my sister prom dress shopping, but never took me. And I went on my own with my best friend and I got this dress. I didn't know how tacky the dress was. I skipped school after she made fun of me so bad in the neighborhood. Please understand, we are not dealing with predominantly black people. So all the neighbors, like her, was white. I was very embarrassed. I felt like they were picking on me because I was this little black girl doing little black girl-ish. At the time, I felt like it was some racist-ish, like seriously. Mm -hmm. But I know my aunt loved me. But some people don't know how to love kids that don't look like them. Yeah. You know, yeah. you just got to meet people where they at. And Ice-T said it best. When you don't have your parents, you can't expect somebody to pour in the same love as your parents do, right? They didn't create That part. Your, that right. part. And, and that's true. Mm-hmm. I used to tell my cousin, I love your kids like you love your kids. And she was like, that's impossible. They're not yours. 
And I'm like, yeah. no, I really do. I would do anything for your babies because I love you that much. And she would say no. And not until I had my first son and then my second son. And then I'm like, no, it's not the same thing. When I had my first son, I said, I never knew love like this before. It gave me a better understanding of why my parents went, my mom especially went so hard for me. Yeah. Why she made the sacrifices she made for my sister, my brother, and I. It, it was very clear to me at that point. Oh, this is what it is. That's why I, I feel like everyone, sh if you can, experience having a child of your own. Have that experience. Be fruitful yeah. and multiply. Because there's no experience that can explain. Let's go back to the story. I got a room. I was working multiple jobs. I was modeling like crazy. And I had some bad experience with modeling, too. There's a lot of pedophiles out there. And then I realized I didn't want to be behind the scene. I started working at the store. Prom dress goes back to that. I started working at the store in the village called Versailles because my best friend was getting a python snake, allegedly a python snake, prom dress made. And I was like, this ain't python. Make this over. You charge the $1,200 and needs to look like $1,200 worth of a dress. Mm. And they were like, who is she and why? And I was like, well, evidently y'all hiring and you need help. So you need to hire me. And the guy was like, I'll hire you just so you can shut up and look pretty. Don't talk Aww. about when you get here. And I was like, <laughs> oh, you really hire me? And back then, six fifty an hour was a lot of money because I was only making yeah. like five fifteen. So mm -hmm. I was like, you'll pay me six fifty, and I just have to shut up and walk around the store and wear your clothing and look pretty? Okay, cool. And so that's what I did. I thought, wow, people were loving the clothing that I had on, and I was selling the outfits off of myself. And it was this guy. I was like his little baby doll. Put on these heels. Do this. Do this. Gilly, gilly, gilly. And I would sell all the outfits. And then I got privy to what the heck was going on and i'm like oh y'all not selling it i'm selling it it's my body that's selling it put me on as a stylist so i negotiated my rate got an increase in pay and got percentage of off of every outfit so i would put on outfits walk around the village and make people buy it off of me so that was the beginning that's when i was meeting Cher, britney spears harris hilton usher i was meeting everyone little kim foxy brown jay-z Aaliyah, anybody that was who's who back then they were all coming to our stores so there yeah. was Limpaz, Versailles, Petit Passant, Limpaz 2 down the street, and Bogas. I was a pretty skinny little girl that was there. I looked like an iron board on both sides, but... Oh, stop it. <laughs> it was the look to be yeah. tall and skinny. Like, Honestly, the look, yeah. The 90s and the early 2000s, like, you had to be thin. It wasn't no booty. Was it wasn't no BBL. It was no booty. It was just beauty and legs. Yeah. Like, if you had legs and you got that stomach, beautiful, long, curly hair, and the cute yeah. face, and it was happening for me. And then June Ambrose came to me and asked me, would I like to work with her team? She did it in a weird way, mm -hmm. but I was like, no, I'm no one's assistant. So foolish of me. Mm -hmm. I wasn't humble. Mm -hmm. So that cloud that I built to protect myself, I didn't realize that I was hurting myself with that. You too. were building a fence. You didn't realize yeah. you were building a fence for a while. Yeah. Right. And I went away to college and would come back on breaks and work there. I make a lot of money and so many stylists. It's like, Kelly, Kelly, can you work with me? Can you work with me? Because I knew what I was doing, but I didn't know the level of. And also, I felt like maybe at that time, because you were so young, you didn't realize that the people that were of influence was leading you to a path. You didn't see it as a path. You thought that they were trying to sun you. Yeah, I really did. Yeah. I, I thought I was no one assistant. You yeah. know? Yeah. If I could speak to my younger self, I would say, girl, do it. Get in the room. Just get in the room. And the good thing is you still have those connections, though. Like, you're still friends with Lil' Kim. You're still friends with Megan Good. Like, you still... These people are still good. Oh, no, no, no. I'm past the room. I build rooms now. Exactly. Yeah, just ain't that. But right. I could have had... As far as my styling, I could have been a costume designer in film. Even though 
white people wasn't making us privy to that. They didn't educate us. They didn't want people unionized. They didn't want black people unionized. They didn't. I was helping people get in the union, not knowing what the union was. Yeah. Making garments for them so they could pass tests to get into the union. And I was like, Amy Roth, a famous costume designer, one of the most famous ones, they taught me two dope white women. And it's amazing. Amy saw it more so as a way to get my connections. And I didn't see that I, I was so connected that I was, I was a good addition to her team. She gave me opportunity. My best friend, Megan, was on the show Deception, and she introduced me to Amy, and then the costume designing thing took off in 2012. Mm. I started off as a PE for years, and then after that... But let's rewind back. When I really became a stylist, one of my closest friends right now, Tiffany, put me on to design outfits for A. Marie video, one thing. So that was the beginning of really being on set and styling. Mm -hmm. Well, then I just was designing the outfits. Tiffany styled that shoot, and then she was giving me opportunities. And then I already knew Kim, so I was doing in-house styling, right? And I was just like, God, if you help me give me the opportunity to do the gift that you gave me, I won't let you down. I probably didn't even say amen yet, and I got a call from Kim's assistant. His name was Man, and Man called me and was like, Kim needs X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, tell Kim if she hires me, she doesn't have to pay for this product. Just give me the opportunity, and I promise you I won't let y'all down yeah. that was the naked truth album i was already mm. doing in-house styling for her anyway okay. so when she found out it was me she was like oh that's my baby let's go and we've been going since you know and so what was the moment the transition when you decided to leave new york and move to atlanta my little brother passed away mm -hmm. and i was tired i was working with a lot of celebrities and i just had a baby my second child brandon and i felt like i was existing but not living mm -hmm. and once again i prayed and was like god i need you I got nothing left. I already lost my mom, my dad, and then my little brother. And I was just like, you got to show me something because right now I don't know. You know, he told me to give everything away and move to Atlanta. And I packed up, moved to Atlanta. I think it took me three weeks to save up some money. He told me to take the first job. I walked away from being a celebrity stylist to working at the mall, a manager at a boutique, a chain store, making $16.50 an hour. They tried it. It's just the math wasn't mathing, but it mathed down there. And I can tell y'all that was the best thing I've ever done. It was humbling. I learned humility, but I had a life. Enjoy my babies. And that was really beautiful. Yeah, no regrets. Wow. And what made you come back up north? God told me it was time to make a move. It was a lot. I don't want everybody to think that life was grand and then it was like, God told me to move and it was great. It was, right. No, it was a lot of heartache. It was a lot of tears. It was homelessness. It was a lot of mental issues and depression. It was things. As much as they were highs, the lows was right there. Yeah. Life was lifing. <laughs> no matter what, life was out there lifing. It does. And doing it what it needed to do. God was out there guiding. So we still here. And he showed mm -hmm. up every time and showed out. So I'm grateful. The moments I cherish is the mistakes that I've made along the way. And then the revelation I got after. Like I am very grateful for everything that has happened to me. I'm not going to act like guys that are listening that it didn't hurt because I am human because it did hurt and it was some ugly tears, dark moments. But when that day came, it was a big gasp for air and it was beautiful, you know? And even in the dark moments, don't think it was dark and it wasn't laughter because it's so funny. In, in poverty, you can find the best stories. <laughs> like when you're in survival mode, it's like, whoo child. You meet some dope people.
And I got lifetime friends from those dark moments. They were with me shooting in the gym. Christmas wasn't Christmas. And I got some friends from the streets that made sure my kids had Christmas. It's a ghetto mess, but hey. <laughs> and so even in, in that adulthood, like what rhetorics are thinking that was originally adopted by your parents do you revert to now that you're on your own? The word of God. Different things that they would say. I, I could never live up to the mother that my mother was, right? I haven't met a mother yet that could compare to the mother that she was. And now she had her flaws. If we're talking about her heart, it's uncomparable. And her flaws, the world would never know. But her flaws were never detrimental to my health. I didn't have my parents but for 20, 19 years and the other one 21 years, right? Yeah. So it will always, best moments, it will be the scriptures that my mother would say. I can only hear my mom's voice say, Keely, the way she would say Keely. Here's a great example. I have an aunt who just passed in December. When yeah. my parents got sick, she picked it up from the time I was 11 years old. She jumped right in. When I'm having moments now and I would normally call her, now that she's not here, I can hear her speaking to me like, girl, bye. <laughs> The voids will always be filled. When people are taken out of your life, my void that was filled was my aunt. You know, and certain uncles, they jumped in and friends, moms that jumped in. I have a lot of mothers. Mm -hmm. She'll give me a hard time to my face, but I know she was the biggest fan, one of my biggest fans, you know, to the world. But I know when I'm sick, she'll be like, you ain't kicked the bucket yet. Let's go. Come on. All right. Well, we're going to jump to reflection questions. So, of course, when we think of the word prosperity... We talk about your journey through your parents, what they left you, and then also what you plan to leave the next generation. So first question, what are some things you hope to pass to your children? Generational wealth. What does that look like? Education. I did a commercial for Prudential about this. It's one thing to leave your children a financial inheritance. It doesn't matter if you never taught them how to manage it and how yeah. to increase it and what it's worth. So I want to educate my children and give them their generational wealth will start with the know-how. It will start with their worth and a better understanding of who they are. Knowing is half the battle, right? If they have the knowledge of who they are as a man, as a black man, as God's child, as kingdom kids. So when adversity comes their way and dark moments happen, they know immediately, let's go, let's fix my crown. Let's, let's move on that. So I want to Teach them self-worth, them love, real love, agape love. And I want to teach them financial intelligence yeah. of how to manage your funds, how to manage investments. Bigger than anything, manage your feelings. Ooh. Come about your feelings. Ooh. <laughs> Not being a people pleaser. If I could fix it and give it to them, understand this, bam, you got it. Yeah. Then they'll know how to manage what is gifted to them financially. Mm -hmm. I need them to understand what was gifted to them spiritually and understand how to move in that and their power in that. Got it. So what are some things yeah. you hope your children learn directly from you? What not to do. I hope that they learn from my mistakes. Mm -hmm. They don't have to make the mistakes that I've made because I already made them and it's okay mm -hmm. to make your own. Because yeah. children learn by what they see. Forget what you hear. It's what you see. Both of my children have that entrepreneur spirit from watching me. I, I put them in rooms where they understand what it is to physically have it. I moved into this apartment so they can understand what they need to level up on. Mm -hmm. I bought a house in the neighborhood. I bought a house in so they can understand where they came from. But understand, nah, baby, this is a money move. I want them to be whoever this guy has them to be. Be who you are, but master it. Be better than me. So what do you feel you gained most throughout your life? I don't know, because there's so much more to gain. 
and there's so much more life to live. That's a hard question for me. Really? Yeah, it is. I've gained a lot, obviously. Shoot, we used to be in a house with no lights. We used to be on welfare. If we're going to compare the life that came before me, which was my mom, it's a lot of gains, but there's a lot of losses. I'm not her. She's one of the smartest people I know. One of the most yeah. loving. I'm not her. Thoughts could kill. A lot of people would be dead for me, and she wouldn't think like that. You know what I'm saying? I think what gains is losses, so it's really hard to say what I gain. I think whatever I have, is it was already here. God was just waiting for me to go get it. And I know I'm different from a lot of people, but my joy, my peace, my happiness, everything, my prosperity, everything comes from him. And if I don't have him, then I don't, have, I don't need any of it. I have a dope, don't get me wrong, I have some dope friends, because I pray for y'all. Right, I prayed in 2018. I said, Lord, can you give me good friends like my sister has? Because she got friends that love her in dark times. and I didn't have those friends. I didn't know what they was very superficial. Mm. I didn't understand mm. that. So in 2018, I met my tribe. I love my friends. I wouldn't trade them for nobody else's friends. And I don't get to see all these people every day, y'all. But right. it's love. I know Goodbye. without a shadow of a doubt, I know who loves me. And it's not because of a, something you could physically touch. It's, we got each other. Correct. Exactly. And it's not about clout. It ain't about what you have. It ain't about what you're doing. Mm. It ain't about none mm. of that. I right. know who I'm here for and I know who's seasonal. It's just a forever thing. It ain't a whatever thing. Yeah. My friends, we can actually <laughs> pray for each other and with each other without judgment. And if it is judgment, we'll be like, I'm judging you. <laughs> we ain't afraid to say, I'm not okay with this and you hurt my feelings. Well, it's hard to hurt my feelings. <laughs> It ain't hard to hurt my feelings. I might not stay in my feelings. Well, it's hard to hurt my feelings if I don't love you. If you say something to me, Alon, and I have a high expectation for you, and you say something that's like, yeah, but see, I won't. Don't you do that to me? Yeah, I but won't. You won't. Like yeah. my tribe won't. You know what I'm saying? Mm -mm. But even in correction, sometimes we could be. We might come up out of that. Yeah, being in our feelings, but in correction, we could be a little like. But see, I think for me, where I come from is if I look at a person and I know that me and that person, like we see each other type of thing, I yeah. will never question that person's intent. So even if it kind of comes sideways to me, I will then analyze the understanding on where that's coming from more so. You know me, I'm calling to ask 101 questions. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, Keely has done it for I'm sure. And I'm ask. like, Keely. Keely, I promise you, I am not upset. Like, because I know it don't come from an ill intent It's not place. coming from a hurtful place, but I always yeah. want to make sure a friend, you know I love you, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I you know, know it. But I think that's what real friendships, that you can have uncomfortable conversations yeah. to get clarity. And you know, the word of God says, we're all about getting get an understanding. And the beauty of that even what you just said is to at least give that opportunity to say, hey, that's not what I meant. Even if you're not offended, I just want to clear the air for on my side. That's the beauty. And here you go. Here, I got another one. And yeah. if the person battles you with you saying this is not who I am, and they say, yeah, sure, that ain't your people. Right. That's Let the them truth. go. I've done your that people before. is going to say, I know. I know yeah. you, friend. It's okay. Right. I've dealt yeah. with people who was like, nah, you... Well, why am I wasting my time explaining it to you when I just yeah. told you I, that wasn't my intent? And if, if you think that's my intent, you ain't my friend. I've been in a situation like, I'm like, hold on, let me reintroduce myself because you obviously don't know me too well. Today. And so I took that moment, but I knew in that moment it was time to walk away and Hello, never look somebody. back. That's the truth. Hello, somebody.
that part. Number five. So what do you feel you gave the most throughout your experience so far? I'm there for people. So your time. My time. Whatever was needed. I gave things that I wasn't supposed to give. Resources. I gave things that God never told me to give. I gave me. And whatever you needed from me. If you had the capacity to give it, you gave it. Even in times where you didn't. Even if I didn't, I would go figure it out for you. We're going to get it. We're going to do drive-bys. Whatever you need to do (laughs) to feel fulfilled. Oh, he cheating? We pulling up. Oh, my Lord. (laughs) Oh, he at work right now? Come on, let's go. She live where? We going. Mm-hmm. And this season, don't ask me, because there's a period in the end of my no. You're pouring into your cup in this yeah. season. That's what it's for. Yeah. I'm not pouring okay. from an empty cup anymore. I need to make sure my cup is runneth over for me and mine. All right. So last question. How would you like to be remembered? I would like to be remembered as I was mm-hmm. something different for everybody, but my good deeds. A servant mm. of the Lord. A servant of the Lord, but I might not have been there for you. She might have been the lady of the night. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, never that. Well, you never know. Depends on who's asking. Right. Uh, (laughs) There ain't many that can say the ones that could. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, whatever I was, like, dope. She was dope. She was a friend. Like, you know what I'm saying? She was there for me. Yeah, I feel like I would like to just be remembered to be. An inspiration. Come on now. I was a catalyst to inspire, and I've always inspired. That's literally my overarching goal mm-hmm. throughout my entire life. I just want to be an inspiration. You know what's so crazy? And you are. But what's mm-hmm. so crazy about saying, how do you want to... I don't know how people see me. And it ain't an external thing. It's your own objective on how... <laughs> you know, and that's the hardest part, because I really want to be like, I don't really care what they think when I'm going. Right. <laughs> I can't what God think. I'm gonna be honest. I'm like, here's the real honesty, y'all. That I ain't trying to think of something that people want. I do not care. Got it. I care what God thinks. I know I gave it my best. I know I loved without condition. I know that and without judgment. And I gave it the best that I could. I hear that. If nothing else, they're gonna say she lived. <laughs> I hear that. And we lived. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Keely, for your story and for your time. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I love you. I love you too. And would you like to take this moment to promote? I mean, owner of Secure Store, Secure Body. Actually, you just opened up a whole studio, like a content studio I in Jersey City. So go ahead, girl. You go ahead, promote yourself. I did. So I have Secure Your Stay, which is Airbnbs, as well as content studios, because we got one at the loft too, where people come and do content. We have two of those. Then there's Secure Body, which is our athletic line. Then it's Secure Boutiques and Secure Men. Secure Men and Secure Women are in Newark on 5 William Street, Newark, New Jersey. Women is the first one on 291 Grove Street, Jersey City, New Jersey. And I am a stylist and a costume designer for film. And where can they follow you, Keely B? Follow me, yeah. Y'all can follow me on Killy B Styles on Instagram and Secure. Secure is spelled S-E-C-U-R, no E on the end. Secure by KBS Instagram as well. So y'all go ahead and follow me now. <laughs> yes, and follow me as well. You can follow my podcast at A Whole Mood Podcast on Instagram, as well as rate, like, and follow my podcast anywhere you get your favorite podcast. I'm Alon, that's Keely, A Whole Mood. 
Mean Old Lion Media, where black and brown voices truly matter. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. 